Five obstacles. Nature gives everybody energy that is creative. It becomes destructive only when it is obstructed, when no natural flow is allowed. One, self consciousness. Self consciousness is a disease. Consciousness is health. Self consciousness is disease. Something has gone wrong. Some knot has arisen. Some complex. The river of consciousness is not flowing naturally. Something foreign has entered into the river of consciousness. Something alien. Something that cannot be absorbed by the river. Something that cannot become part of the river. Something that resists becoming part of the river. Self consciousness is morbidity. Self consciousness is morbidity. Self consciousness is a frozen state, blocked. It is like a dirty pool going nowhere, just dying. Out, evaporating and dying, of course, it stinks. So, the first thing to be understood is, to, is the difference between self consciousness, self consciousness, and consciousness. Consciousness has no idea of I, of ego, it has no idea. Of one's separation from existence. It does not know any barrier. It knows no boundaries. It is one with existence. It is in a deep at one moment. There is no conflict between the individual and the whole. One is simply flowing into the whole. And the whole is flowing into one. It is like breathing. You breathe in, you breathe out. When you breathe in, the whole enters you. When you breathe out, you enter the whole. It is a constant flow, a constant sharing. The whole goes on giving to you, and you go on giving to the whole. The balance is never lost. But in a self conscious man, something has gone wrong. He takes in, but he never gives out. He goes on accumulating, and he has become incapable of sharing. He goes on making boundaries around himself so nobody can trespass. He goes on putting signboards around his, around his being. No trans- trespassing allowed. He goes on putting signboards around his being. No trespassing allowed. By and by, he becomes a grave, a dead being, because life is in sharing. A self is a dead thing, alive only in name. Consciousness is infinite life. Life abundant. It knows no boundaries, but 
Ordinarily, everybody is self-conscious. To be self-conscious is to be unconscious. This paradox has to be understood. To be self-conscious is to be unconscious and to be unself-conscious. Or, to be self-conscious is to become conscious. And when there is no self, when this small, tiny self disappears, you attain to the real self within a capital S. Call it the supreme self, the self of all. So it is both no self in the sense that it is not only yours and the ultimate self also. Because it is the self of all, you lose your tiny creature, you lose your tiny center, and you attain to the center of existence itself. Suddenly, you become infinite. Suddenly, you become infinite. Suddenly, you are no longer bound. You have no cage around your being. And infinite power starts flowing through you. You become a vehicle, clear with no obstructions. You become a flute, and Krishna can sing through you. You become just a passage, empty, nothing of your own. This is what I call surrender. Self-consciousness is a non-surrendering attitude. It is the attitude of conflict, fight, struggle. If you are fighting with existence, you will be self-conscious, and of course, you will be defeated again and again and again. Each step is going to be a step into more and more defeat. Your frustration is certain. You are doomed from the very beginning because you cannot maintain this self against the universe. It is impossible. You cannot exist separately. You cannot be a monk. <clears throat> this word, monk, is good. <clears throat> you must be aware of similar words that come from the same root, like monopoly, or monastery, or monologue. A monk is one who is trying to be himself, who is trying to define his boundaries, and he is trying to exist separate from this total existence. His whole effort is egoistic. It is bound to fail. No monk can ever succeed. You can succeed only with God, never against him. You can succeed only with the whole, never against it. So if you're frustrated in deep misery, remember, you are creating that misery. And you are creating it by a subtle trick. You are fighting against the whole. <clears throat> it happened. It must have been a rainy season like this. And the village river was flooded. <clears throat> People came running to Mullah Nasruddin and said, Your wife 
has fallen in the flooded river. Run fast, save her. Nasradin ran. He jumped into the river and started swimming upstream. The people who had gathered to see, they shouted, What are you doing, Nasradin? Your wife cannot go upstream. The stream has taken her downward. Nasradin said, <clears throat> What are you talking about? I know my wife. She can only go upstream. The ego is always in an effort to go upstream. People don't like to do easy things. Before they can do them very before they can do them, they want to make them hard, difficult. People enjoy doing hard things. Why? Because when you face a hard thing, your ego becomes subtle, sharp. There is a challenge. When the first group reached the top of Everest, everybody asked Edmund Hillary, why did you take such a risk? It was dangerous. Many others have died before you and have not been able to reach. And the person who was asking was unable to understand why people go on trying to reach Everest and losing their lives. What is the point of it? What is there to achieve? Edmund Hillary is reported to have said, We cannot rest as long as this Everest remains unconquered. We cannot rest as long as this Everest remains unconquered. We have to conquer it. There is nothing to gain in it, but the very presence of Everest conquered is a challenge. But the very presence of Everest unconquered is a challenge. To whom is it a challenge to the ego? Watch your own life. Many things you are doing only because of the ego. You want to make a big house. You may be perfectly comfortable in your house as it is, but you want to make a big place, big palace. That big palace is not for you. That big palace is for the ego. You may be perfectly comfortable as you are, but you are go but you go on accumulating money. That money is not for you. The money is for the ego. How can you rest unless you have become the richest man in the world? But what are you going to do by becoming the richest man in the world? You will become more and more miserable because only misery comes out of conflict. Misery is an indication that you are conflict. So don't know, don't throw your responsibility on something else. People are very good at rationalizing. If they are miserable, they will say, what can we do? The past lives, commerce, 
are making us miserable or rubbish. Past life karmas must have made you miserable, but in past lives, why should they wait till now? There is no point in waiting. Your present karmas are making you miserable. Throwing it on the past lives make it easy. What can you do? You have to be the way you are now. Nothing can be done. The past cannot be undone. You cannot erase it just by waving your hands. There is no magic trick. That can help you to erase your past. It has happened and it has happened forever. Now it is going to remain absolute. There is no possibility of changing it. That relieves you of the burden and you think. So, okay, I have to be miserable because of the past commerce. You can throw the responsibility on the devil. As Christians go on doing, Hindus go on throwing the responsibility on past commerce. The Christians go on throwing the responsibility on the devil. He must be creating traps for you. It is not you, it is the devil. Who goes on trapping you into miseries and who goes on pulling you down toward hell? Who is bothered with you? Why should this devil be bothered with you? Then there are Marx, Marxists, communists, socialists. They say it is the social structure, the economic system that makes people miserable. Then there are Freudians, psychoanalysts. They say it is the child and mother relationship. But it is always something else. It is never you. It is never you in the present. And I'd like to tell you, it is you. If you are miserable, you and only you are responsible. Neither the past, nor the social structure, nor the economic system. Nothing is going to help. If you remain you in any sort of a society, you will remain miserable. In any economic system, you will remain miserable. In any world, you will remain miserable if you remain you. And the first basic change happens when you start dropping the conflict with existence. That is the only meaning of all the great religions when they emphasize drop the ego. They are saying drop the conflict. I would like you to remember it more because drop the ego seems to metaphysical. Ego? Where is the ego? What is the ego? The world. The world seems to be known. You seem to be well acquainted with it, but it seems to be very vague, cannot be grasped. I would like to make it more practical. Drop the conflict. Because ego is 
a by ego is a byproduct of your conflicting attitude. People talk of conquering nature. People talk of conquering this and that. How can you conquer nature? You are part of it. How can you? How can the part conquer the whole? See the foolish of it. See the foolishness of it. The stupidity. You can be with the whole in harmony, or you can be in conflict with the whole in disharmony. Disharmony results in misery. Harmony results in bliss. Harmony naturally results in a deep silence, joy, delight. Conflict results in anxiety, anguish, stress, tension. The ego is nothing but all the tensions you have created around yourself. And in the first place, there is no need to create it. But why does man go on creating it? There must be some reason. Why does everyone go on creating the ego, the self? The real self is unknown. That's why. And it is very difficult to live without a self. So we create a pseudo self, a substitute self. The real self is unknown. In fact, the real self never becomes absolutely known. It remains mysterious. It remains ineffable, indefinable. The real self is so vast that you cannot define it. And the real self is so mysterious that you cannot operate. You cannot penetrate. It to the to the very core. The real self is the self of the whole. It is not possible for human intellect to penetrate, to ponder, to contemplate. There is a famous story of a wise man who was called to see Alexander the Great, and Alexander asked him, "I have heard that you have come to know." What God is, so please tell me. I've been in search, and people say you have attained. So enlighten me about God, what God is. I've been in search, and people say you have attained. So, en enlighten me about God, what God is. It is said, the wise man said. You give me at least twenty-four hours to think over it. Twenty-four hours passed, and Alexander the Great was waiting very eagerly. The wise man came, and he said, seven days will be needed." <clears throat> and then seven days passed, and Alexander was very impatient. The wise man came, and he said, "One year will be needed." Alexander said. What do you mean? One year will be needed. You know, or you don't. If you know, you know. Tell me, why waste time? The wise man laughed, and he said, "The more I ponder, the more it becomes unknown, unknowable. 
The more I know, the more difficult it becomes to say that I know. Twenty-four hours, I tried and tried, and it started slipping from my hands. It is very elusive. It is like mer- mercury. Then I asked for seven days. <clears throat> that didn't help. Now at least one year, and I'm not certain that I will be able to bring a definition. The wise man did well. He must have been really wise, because there is no way to define the real self. But man cannot live without a self. Then one feels so empty. Then one feels like a wheel without a hub. Then one feels like a circumference without a center. No, it is hard to live without a self. To know the real self is arduous. One has to travel long to arrive home. One has to knock on many doors before one comes to the right door. The easy trick is you can create a false self. To grow real roses is difficult. You can purchase plastic roses; they will not deceive you, but they will deceive the neighbors. Huh? This is the point of the self, the ego. It cannot deceive you. You know well that you yourself don't know who you are, but at least it can deceive the deceive the neighbors. In the outside world, at least you have a certain label, label, who you are. Have you ever thought about it? If somebody asks, "Who are you?" What do you answer? You say your name. The name is not yours, because you came into the world without a name. Oh, that's that's really true. The name is not yours because you came into the world without a name. You came nameless. It is not your property. It has been given to you, and any name A, B, C, D would have been useful. It is arbitrary. It is not essential in any way. If you are called Susan, good. If you are called Harry, good. It makes no difference. Any name would have been as applicable to you as any other. It is just a label. A name is needed to call you by, but it has nothing to do with your being. Or you say I'm a doctor, or you say I'm an engineer, or a businessman, or a painter, or this and that. But nothing says anything about you. When you say I'm a doctor, you say something about your profession, not about you. You say how you earn your living. You don't say anything about life. You say something about your living. You may be earning your living as an engineer, or as a doctor, or as a businessman. It is irrelevant. It does not say anything about you. Or, 
You say your father's name, your mother's name. You give your family a tree. That too is irrelevant because that doesn't define you. Because that doesn't define you. Your being born in a particular family is accidental. You could as well have been born in another family and you, have, you would not even have noticed the difference. There are just utilitarian tricks, and man becomes a self. This self is pseudo self, a created, manufactured self, homemade, and your own real self remains deep down hidden in mist and mystery. I was reading. A Frenchman was crossing the desert with the Arab guide. Day after day, the Arab never failed to kneel on the burning sand and call upon his God. At last, one evening, the unbeliever said to the Arab, How do you know there is a God? The guide fixed his eyes his eye upon the scoffer for a moment and then re replied how do i know there is a god how did i know that a camel and not a man passed last night how did i know that a camel and not a man passed last night was it not by the point of his hoof in the sand and pointing to the sun those last rays were fading over the horizon he added that footprint is not of a man yourself cannot be created by you it cannot be man-made yourself you have brought with you it is you how can you create it? To create it, you will have to be there in the first place. That is the meaning when Christians, Mohammedans, Hindus say that man is a creature. That means that man has not created himself. That's all. The creator is somewhere hidden in the, in the unknown. We have come out of some mysterious life source. Yourself is not yours. This for self is not yours because you have created it. And yourself and your real self is not yours because it is still in God. You are still rooted in God. This false self that we go on carrying in our lives like a flag is always in danger of being damaged. It is very fragile. It is, it is very weak. It has to be. It is man-made. How can man make something deathless? He himself has to pass through many deaths 
So whatsoever he produces is always mortal. Hence the fear, continuous fear that I may be lost, myself may be destroyed. A continuous fear goes on trembling in your being. You can never be certain about this for self of yours. You know it is false. You may avoid the fact, but you know it is false. It is gathered together, manufactured. It is mechanical. It is not organic. Have you observed the difference between organic unity and mechanical unity? You make a car engine. You can purchase parts from the makers and you can assemble those parts and the engine starts functioning like a unity. Or you can purchase parts of a radio from the market and you can assemble them and the radio starts functioning like a unity. Somehow it comes to have a self. No part can function as a radio by itself. All parts together start functioning like a radio. But still the unity is mechanical, forced from the outside. But when you throw seeds into the ground, those seeds die into the soil and the plant arises. This unity is organic. It is not forced form from outside. The unity was within the seed itself. The seed goes on sprouting, goes on gathering a thousand and one things from the, from the earth, from the air, from the sun, from the sky. But the unity is coming from within. The center comes first and then the circum circumference. In a mechanical unity, the circumstance comes first and then the center. Man is an organic unity. You are a seed one day, like any tree. In the so soil of your mother's womb, you started gathering your circumference. The center came first. The center preceded the circumference. And now you have forgotten the center completely. You live on the circumference and you think this is your whole life. This circumference and continuously living on it creates a sort of self, a pseudo self, which gives you a feeling that yes, you are somebody, but it is always trembling trembling because it has no organic unity in it.